Well, let's pray, saints. Lord, we just thank you that we cannot know these things without the Spirit. Thank you that you reveal to us the mysteries of the kingdom. Thank you that the awesome thing you did is alive inside of us. That you are alive inside of us. In this union that you brought about for, it is of God that we are in Christ Jesus. By your own hand, you did it all. We simply responded in faith to what you did because you opened our eyes. Lord, thank you so much for the the peace that you give us, the grace that is our atmosphere we live in now. It's a state of being. We live in grace. We live in this new reality. As Paul said, be strong, my son, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this blue sky, for this open heaven, for this open door, for this peace that is not as the world gives peace and a joy that is not of this world. Everything that man makes shall be shaken. Everything that is of man shall be shaken. But that which is of God, the kingdom, which cannot be shaken, is where we dwell. In you, we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Lord, for this reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That really struck me this morning. I happened to get Joseph Prince on television this morning, and he was talking about how, you know, all the institutions of man are going to be shaken. Everything that man makes is going to be shaken. But the thing that cannot be shaken is God's provision in his kingdom. His kingdom is not dependent on what man does. And so provision will never be shaken. He said, I love that. The, the provision of God, the blessing of God will never be shaken because we live in him. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> men who look to other men for their provision instead of to God will be disappointed. But in this realm that we live in, in him, there is no lack because that provision does not come from man. It's awesome. Awesome. Great message this morning. Joseph Prince talking about grace and the finished work of Christ. Well, let's jump into Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Man, I really enjoyed last Sunday about thinking about the whole aspect of sonship. You know how we said last Sunday that uh, the enemy wants to come at you as to who you are as a son or daughter of God. And that's exactly what the enemy did with Jesus himself when the Father just spoke from the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Right after that, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested and tempted by the enemy. And what did he come after? The enemy came after that, that, that awesome truth. If you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, do that. If you are the Son of God. Because once we see that we are sons and daughters of God, like we said last Sunday, game over. Game is over. Because if you're a son, you're an heir of all things. 
That's what Paul was trying to, he was trying to bring us that reality in, in Galatians that if you're a son, you're an heir. If you're an heir of all things, then what can separate you from the love of God? What can be against you if God be for you? Who can be or what can be against you? And the answer is nothing. Game over. That's my son. See? Isn't that cool? And the son has authority. The son has a ring. The son has a robe. The son, son has sandals on his feet. The son has joy and, and celebration from his dad. And no matter what trouble we get in on this earth, I think I told you this a long time ago, but um, one time I was really going through a battle with the enemy just coming after me, and I was like driving down the highway. And I was like, and I was in, like in tears, and I said, I said, Father, fight for me. Fight for me. And boy, when I said that, I said, Father, fight for me. It was like God said, Vroom. I mean, I started, I went from crying to laughing in joy. It was like my daddy said, leave him alone. Like, he's like God came out of, it was like powerful. That's our daddy. We get in trouble. We call daddy. You know, it's like, like Jurassic Park when they tried to get that little T-Rex, little baby T-Rex, and the T-Rex is, and the big T-Rex comes looking for him. <laughs> That's what it's like. I mean, it's powerful. When you, when you call out Papa, Abba, Jesus, in Jesus' name, Jesus, powerful, powerful. In fact, it's something God showed me uh, growing up as a believer. No matter what situation I'm in in my life, if I call out his name within 24 hours, something happens. It's amazing. Within 24 hours, something happens that alleviates the problem, either it brings, either I get peace about it or I get an answer or something. It's amazing within 24 hours. So it's just amazing. The more we realize who we are in him and that he's our daddy, like, like that famous picture with um, JFK's little John John coming in, into the White House, into the Oval Office and runs right past all the guards and jumps on his dad's lap. That's what we have. Complete access. Cool. Okay, let's look at this. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace, or you have removed yourself from grace, it says in the Greek. You have removed yourself from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, we, the believer, we, through the Spirit, by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. And that phrase, the hope, waiting for the hope of righteousness, means in the, in, in the way, when Paul says hope, it's not like, oh, we wish, or we hope, like we think of hope. Like he says, we, we hope, our hope is in heaven. What he's saying there is that the righteousness we have now, we will see the reality of it on the day of judgment. We have this hope that we will see what we have now. So he's not saying, I don't have it now because he, he spent a lot of time in chapters 2, 3, and 4 saying we have righteousness now by faith. Abraham, God counted him as righteous. So when he says we have the, we wait for the hope of righteousness means that we're not of those who um, are 
trying to work for righteousness and at that day um, trusting in their own, their own righteousness. But we have this steadfast hope now that righteousness is ours. Um, anyway, so let's, let's go back and look at this a little bit. This whole thing, you know what's interesting about Paul, this first one and two and three, he's talking about this, the freedom, the liberty we have in Christ. And some people, if the whole letter of the Galatians is so different from what we hear from many uh, you know, pulpits or preachers or teachers, because Paul's big emphasis, if you, if you really look at it clearly, and, and we've looked at it, he's not really concerned that much in this letter about sin. And in fact, it's almost an afterthought. He says, this, this freedom that he's talking about here, this yoke of bondage, he's not talking about the flesh. He's not talking about the, or sin in the flesh. He's talking about the law, the yoke of bondage of the law, because the very next verse, he starts talking about circumcision and, and rules and that kind of thing. Now, why is Paul not so concerned about sin in the letter to the Galatians? Why is, he not, why is not that the emphasis? Why is the emphasis in the Galatian letter is freedom from law? I mean, that's what it's all about. The reason why is because Paul understood that the law is the strength of sin. That's the one thing that so many religious thinking people do not get. Paul got it. He knew the law is the strength of sin. So Paul says, you Galatians are going back to law. He goes, I'm like a woman in labor again. I'm travailing that um, because my desire is that Christ might be formed in you. And Christ will not be formed in you or you won't be renewed in the mind where Christ is manifesting his life through you if you're not completely free of law. See, and that's so different from what the natural man thinks or the religious person thinks. Because most people are, I mean, well, we'll, we'll go further, but it's like, it's so cool to see his emphasis. It's not that, um, it's not that we're trying to, obviously trying to find an excuse for sin. People don't come to Jesus so they can sin more, you know, and most most preaching and teaching out there in, in the world, it seems like, has this hook in it. Paul never has a hook in his message of the finished work of Christ. He leaves people in that place of rest and liberty and freedom. And so boldly sometimes that it scared the Judaizers to death. It scared the people from Jerusalem to death because this, hey, this can't be this good. I mean, Paul, and and the reason why Paul had this, this powerful message of the finished work of Christ and the gospel of grace is because he understood that a whole new world had come. See, in this, at the end of this letter, he says, I have been crucified unto this world, and this world has been crucified unto me. I have died to this whole realm, and this realm has died to me. In another letter, he wrote, Why do you, as if living in the world, subject yourself to rules, touch not, taste not, as if you're still living in this world? Isn't that awesome? See, he knew... The good news of the kingdom of heaven, the good news of the uh, glad news of the kingdom was a message that another world, heaven itself, had come to earth. 
And all who would believe, and that's what Jesus began to say when he first started his ministry, change your mind for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. Heaven has come to man. Heaven is coming. And if you believe what Jesus did in totally reconciling the human race, allowing us to be plunged into death and judgment on the cross and bringing us, translating us from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son now so that the kingdom of heaven is now within us as Jesus taught. The spirit of God brought the kingdom, the realm within. It's what Abraham looked for but did not receive. He did not receive all the saints before Christ. Look for this kingdom, this realm, this city of God, whose foundations are of God and whose architect is God. See, we have that now inside of us, Paul says, and Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven shall be within you. And what is the kingdom? It's righteousness and peace and joy in the spirit inside of us. We have his righteousness. We have his peace, his joy, complete union. He, our head, we, his body, union, one new man, Christ. We members of his body. We walk the planet, not of this planet anymore, no longer from below, but from above, no longer from the Adamic race, but from the race above, from the living Christ, the risen Christ. For the first Adam was a living soul, just a living soul, just him by himself. But the last Adam, Paul says, is a life-giving spirit so that we are joined to him, raised in him, and new in him, completely new in him. A whole new world has come. Paul saw this. And because he saw that, he was so free, this liberty. And the secret of, hey bud, come on in. Um, the secret of, of God's new dynamic now, the way that, that um, this life manifests through us, is now we simply, we, we enjoy what he has done. We grow in faith. From faith to faith, from glory to glory, we behold him. We are now transformed into the same image from glory to glory as we behold who he is, not sin in the flesh. For the law, through the law is the knowledge of sin. That was a whole different dynamic under the law. The law was to point out sin, to reveal sin, so man would, would come to the end of himself, so every mouth would be shut. Let God be true and every man a liar. See? But the grace of God doesn't point out sin in the flesh. The grace of God reveals Christ. And that's the new dynamic that is now ours, which is the secret to walking in the Spirit, which Paul talks about, is a, that's why it's such an awesome, refreshing dynamic. Because we're not looking at ourselves anymore, trying to improve ourselves. We're looking at Him, and we're finding ourselves doing the things that we couldn't do before because we are seeing him. As you see him, the real you is able to bring forth who you are in him. Because you are as he is. This is a heavenly dynamic. It's not natural man doesn't get this. That's why Paul talks about Moses. Moses beheld the glory of God and his face began to shine. He knew not that his face was shining because this dynamic is not a self-conscious dynamic. You're not self-conscious about yourself. You know, it's, it's, it's the self, the flesh is very tricky. The flesh tries to improve itself. The flesh tries to work on itself. The flesh tries to, God says, forget the flesh. Cast the bondwoman out and her son. Cast the old covenant of law out. Everything from Sinai, cast it out, Galatians says. We talked about that last Sunday. And her son, meaning the flesh, meaning Ishmael. Because there's a whole new dynamic that has come. The dynamic for the sons and daughters of God, the free woman. Jerusalem above is our mother now. 
So as we behold this, so Paul is like, he's driving home the point of this incredible liberty because if, if, we, if we don't see how free God has made us, then we'll forever live a life of, you know, just always going around the mountain, working on sin, working on the flesh, trying to improve here, trying to improve there. You know, because we don't believe there's a, milk, there's a land filled with milk and honey, so we have to go around the mountain over and over and over. But there's a new realm, a new reality. Yeah, there's giants in the land. There's giants in the land because that's the power of sin in the flesh. And we all have the power of sin in the flesh still in these bodies. But because of God's new way of spiritual circumcision, cutting ourselves, cutting us free from the flesh, Colossians says, joining us to himself, now this new dynamic, which is not where we do the fighting, but for you shall not need to fight in this battle. This is the Lord's fight. We fight by resting now. And, and so this awesome new heavenly dynamic has come into our lives. And yes, the giants are in the land, but God asks us to do things that are not um, normal in terms of, you know, when, they, when he asks them to go around the, the, the city seven times and then shout that seven times on the seventh day, what's he doing? It's all about rest, about completion. Uh, seven speaks of the completion and, and the shout of faith and all those things in the walls fall down. They didn't have to fight. God gave them the city. See, what, what we are slow to believe is in the ways of God. See, Israel saw his acts. Moses knew his ways. God's way is that where flesh cannot take any credit for it. That's the point. That's the whole point. God chooses the weak to confound the strong. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise. Because it's not a matter of my efforts. It's a matter of his effort, his work, his mighty work. And he loves it when you boast in him. And Paul says, I boast in Christ and Him crucified. I boast in what He did and who He is. Because in that we find out who we are. It's an awesome, um, it's a miracle, but it's awesome the way Jesus asked the apostles, who do men say that I am? And then He said, who do you say I, that I am? And when Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the one, the Son of the living God. And when, they, when Peter saw who Jesus was, then Jesus told Peter who he was. That's the way it works. And Peter, you're not a reed tossed to and fro. I'll tell you who you are, Peter. Because you know who I am, I will reveal to you now, Peter, who you are in me. Isn't that awesome? And that's the way it's always been in God's ways. It's always to look to him, to see him. And then from that revelation, Things happen that we, we don't even understand. And that's the, and it's supposed to be like that because if we understood how it all worked, you know, I mean, I don't know how a shepherd's staff parts the Red Sea. I don't know how putting mud in someone's blind eyes opens their eyes. I don't know how these things work, but I know it is God. It's the glory of God. See? It's so cool. He, he, he does the hard part. He asks us to just look and live, believe and see, you know? Okay, so let's go back to, um, oh yeah, and Paul is, he's really adamant here in this, I love that he says in verse 3, um, he says, if, if anybody receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. And that's a principle that is true in, in all of, in, in all of uh, Paul's thinking. In, in other words, you can't pick and choose and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this or I'm going to keep this. 
Um, no, if you, if you say you're obligated to do that, then you're obligated to do it all, the whole law. Um, I know last Sunday we talked about how Sinai, Paul's, Paul makes it very clear that everything that was done on Sinai has been done away with. Everything. Some people teach that just the ceremonial law has been, has been done away with, but not the Ten Commandments. God has done away with the entire covenant. You can't carve out something out of Sinai when Paul made it very clear that all of Sinai has been done away with. And we talked about also how it doesn't mean that God now has lowered his standard of righteousness or he hasn't lowered or hasn't said, you know, that I'm now in favor of bearing false witness because you guys can't live up to this standard. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And so now, what is the standard? Is it, are we obligated to keep the Ten Commandments? No. The moment you say you're obligated to keep anything, you are under law. Because if you're obligated, there's a consequence uh, that, that if you don't keep that, God is going to have to do something to you for not doing that. Punishment. So we're not obligated to keep the Ten Commandments. It's like telling an orange tree that you are obligated to bear oranges. The orange tree would go, obligated. Never heard of that. I just do who I am. I just produce who I am. So this is why it's so cool. God's way, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So when Jesus came to fulfill the law and becoming the righteousness of God, taking on our sin, for He became sin for us, that we might receive the righteousness of God in Him, what, he's, what he did, basically, is this is the standard. Perfection. Sinlessness. So what is the standard to get to heaven? Perfection. Sinlessness. So how do we get that? Well, we get that by being inside the sinless one through faith. We believe that what he did in taking our sin upon himself, all our sin, not just the past and present, but the future sins that you haven't even committed yet. In fact, our whole life was, our whole life was future when he died 2,000 years ago. He died not just for our past and our present, but our future. In fact, the believer, sin is not even imputed to you as a believer, for where there is no law, sin is not imputed. There is no transgression, Paul taught us. I mean, this thing is huge. It's huge. And it's so, we're so slow to see this. We're so afraid of sin. We're afraid of sin. We're afraid of the flesh. We're afraid that this will lead to, you know, weirdness. And, and we got to remember, God knows what he's doing. And that, isn't that silly we have to say that? That's why Paul said, oh, the only wise God. You know, the religious didn't get it. He reveals himself to babes, to children, and hides himself from the wise and prudent and those who think themselves wise. And, but he reveals this awesome truth that it's not a matter of you. It's not about you. It's about me. And I've done it. Do you believe? And then in that new reality, we find Him working in us. Like that verse where it says, um, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to do it according to His good pleasure. Well, that, we, that's been so misused in the church. Um, work out means to let it manifest. 
not work for it, but work out. Let it, let it manifest. Let, let this awesome salvation manifest with fear and trembling. The same Greek phrase Paul uses in the Corinthian letter when he said, I was with you with weakness and fear and trembling, presenting, you, presenting to you the gospel of Christ because I did not trust in myself, but in the power of God to convince you of the finished work of Christ. See, so in the Greek, fear and trembling in the Greek has nothing to do with judgment or fear of punishment or any of those things. It has to do in the Greek there with completely no confidence in myself to pull this off. That's why Paul says, work out this awesome salvation with no confidence in yourself, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will it and to do it. Isn't that awesome? That's what that verse means. It has nothing to do with judgment or, you know, fear of God, you know, punishing you because you're not pulling it off. No, in fact, it's just the opposite. Paul says, have no confidence in the flesh. Have no confidence to pull this off because it is God who's at work, not you, to change your very desires to will it and to do it. Isn't that awesome? This, this is what the church is starving for. We, we should be, this should be Christianity 101. You know, I mean, look, look how far, you know, how much we have to hear just to, there's so much garbage in our minds, so, so much bad teaching, so much mixture. God hates mixture. You cannot mix law and grace. You cannot mix um, flesh and spirit. You cannot mix the two worlds. The two covenants cannot be mixed. It's totally, in the Old Testament, God had things like, you know, when you sow in the, your garden, do not put this seed in the same row with this seed, you know. Or he said, when you, when you make clothes, don't sow wool together with another fabric. You know those verses in the Old Testament? It's just like those verses that he used, that he talked about, with, don't muzzle the ox. And Paul brings up those verses in the Old Testament, don't muzzle the ox. And Paul says, does, that, does God care for oxen? No, there's something here. Paul says, is that, is that really why he gave this rule about don't muzzle the ox? Paul said, no, there's something, there's something here. There's a spiritual truth here. In the same way he gave that instruction about not planting two kinds of seeds in the same row, sowing two kinds of fabrics in the same cloth, in the same way he's saying, don't mix these things. You can't. It's like oil and vinegar. You shake it up for a while. It looks like, oh, you see, it's, it's they, they harmonize pretty good. Law and grace, old covenant, new covenant. We can, it's the Bible. It's the word of God. We can't throw it out. You know, it's like, and then wait, what's happening? It's settling. It's dividing because you can't mix them. You see, it's not that you're throwing out the word of God, obviously, but you're finding the secret that was hidden in the scriptures, which is Christ. And if you don't see the revelation of Christ in the Old Testament, you'll preach law in the Old Testament. You'll try to harmonize grace, and it's a mess. And that's exactly why we have burnout in the church today. It's exactly why people are so flesh, uh, I don't know, so focused on, on the flesh. Paul says, don't know anybody anymore after the flesh, but after the Spirit only. And that means that we're to know each other and people in the world only after the Spirit. And that means... There are only two kinds of people on the planet. There are those who are in the Son, who have His Spirit, and those who are not in the Son, who don't have His Spirit, and we want them to see and believe that they might have His Spirit. Isn't that awesome? So we look at everybody, you know, as, you know, is He in Him or is He not in Him? And if He's not in Him, we can say, oh, woman, if you only knew Him, he would give you water to drink and you would never thirst again. I don't care if you had five husbands and you're sleeping with the man now that's not your husband. That's not the issue. I see all that, Jesus said. I see all that. 
You're thirsting for life. The issue is not you, woman. It's not your performance. It's me. If you knew me, I would give you life and you would never thirst again. A whole new way of looking at people and looking at ourselves. Oh, so. Amen. <laughs> it changes everything. And, um, and you know, and it, the liberty and, 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 and people who don't, people who are afraid of this liberty, like Paul said in the Galatian letter, they sent people to spy out the liberty we have in Christ. They had people come and spy out their liberty because they were like, this can't be this good. Um, you know, there's probably sin in the camp or something like that. You know, this, this kind of mentality because they don't understand God's ways. You know, I love to boast about the grace of God. I love to boast about how he is my righteousness. And, and, it's, and Paul loved to boast about grace and boast about the, the Spirit of God and, and their, his union with Christ. To me, that's, it's, it's, the, it's a sign you get it because you're no longer trying to be somebody in yourself or by your own efforts. Um, like Paul says, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. That means we don't preach, you know, to, hey, I get up at 4 a.m. and I pray and I do this and I do this. If you could do like, if you could be like me, then no. Paul probably did all those things, but he didn't talk about them because it was just the power of the Christ working mightily within him. He didn't care about those things. He cared about him. And he focused on him and proclaimed him. And that's because nobody can be Paul, but we can be in Christ. We can't be in Paul, but we can be in Christ. Everybody can be in Christ, right? Who wants to be in Paul when you be in Christ? You know, Paul is in Christ and we're in Christ. It's just awesome. Um, I just want to say, wrapping up, we'll go back to this chapter five again. Um, I want to say that I pray that you see how um, cataclysmic the work of Christ is. How he truly he truly obliterated the world as we know it and raised a new creation. This time, in the beginning, he made the habitat first and then he put the new creation in it, Adam and Eve. This time, he made the new creation first and later he'll put us in the new habitat visibly in a new heavens and a new earth. But now he wants us to walk in this kingdom, in this realm, now on this earth as witnesses of this other reality. For the good news of the kingdom of heaven shall be proclaimed in all the world as a witness, and then shall the end come. Because it has to be by faith on everybody's part. So if it was visible to everybody now it wouldn't be my that's exactly right the kingdom of heaven does not come like men think with observation Jesus said it doesn't come where you see oh there's the kingdom oh there's the kingdom it shall be within you Jesus said this other reality where God has become my daddy where I'm in union with the Christ where I'm an heir of all things through him where I am as righteous as God himself because of a gift of righteousness his righteousness I have which is spotless and perfect Every sin I could ever possibly commit was already judged on the cross. I mean, the riches, Paul says, the riches in Christ, this percolates within the new believer, uh, the new creation. This percolates and renews our mind to this whole new way of seeing ourselves and each other. And we find ourselves in a freedom and a power and a love that, that is just it's phenomenal. 
we're no longer trying to find our identity in our ministry. We're no longer trying to find our identity in our in what other people say about us. We're no longer trying to find our identity in our money, our job, our vocation, our family name, our bank account. We're not trying to find out who we are through all these things. We're at peace finally. Because he has said to us, you're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Let's run together. Come run together. My fair one, my beautiful one, Song of Solomon. I see no spot in you, no wrinkle. Come run with me. I've done it. I've done it. Come on, son. Let me show you the family business. For we must be about our father's business. Come, let me show you. Let me show you, son. Let me show you, daughter. Oh, I just screwed up, God. I'm so sorry. I screwed up. Don't be afraid, Peter. Come to me. We'll learn from this together. Oh, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Peter, don't be afraid. Come to me. God before you, who can be against you? Finally, rest, finally peace, finally joy, unspeakable, full of glory. Finally, life becomes the romance it was meant to be, the journey it was meant to be. What? Yes, the good news. I mean, it's good news. It's so good that Paul was beside himself. I mean, he was like, oh, he said, you know, you know, Isaiah said that he was prophesying of this coming to earth, this kingdom, this heaven that would come. Heaven itself would come within man because God would dwell within us. We would become the dwelling place of God through Christ. And God would dwell in in us and walk in us, the scripture says. The prophets talked about this coming and this new covenant. And Isaiah says, in that day, those who have him within shall walk this planet and the mountains will break forth into singing and the trees will seem to clap their hands as the wind blows the limbs because they are the sons and the daughters of God walking the earth in this awesome thing that God will do. That's what's inside of us. I don't care what noise is playing out here in the world. You have a symphony on the inside that is an FM station that never goes off the air. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Hear the joyful sound. Hear he changes not. He, the resurrection of a Christ was as, as, as uh, recent in the mind of God as this morning. A thousand years is like a day to him. He changes not. He has that same drive to get the word out, to split that veil of the temple in two and invite the people to come boldly to the Holy of Holies. Without fear, we have a throne of grace to go to to find help and mercy in time of need. The heart must be established by grace, Hebrews says. And he does his signs and wonders. The scripture says he confirms the word of his grace with signs and wonders. You know why don't, we don't see as, as many signs and wonders as it should be in the church? Because the Spirit of God will not confirm the word of the law. The, word of the, the Spirit will confirm the word of grace, the word of his grace with signs and wonders. 
And there will be power, great power is expressed when, the, when people really see His great grace in Christ. God is so for us, it's, ridic- it's ridiculous. It, is, it makes you laugh. It's the laugh of, of, it's the laugh of Isaac. It's the laughter of, 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 uh, of a victor. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Well, we can go on and on, but I, let's pray. I just, I just want us to go, grow more and more, all of us. Me, I want to see more of this realm that I live in. I want to see him. I want to experience the new creation coming forth through this mortal body. And he's, he's doing it. Paul's answer to the flesh was very simple. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. What? That's it? Because when you see what walking in the Spirit means, walk in this realm. Walk in this other reality. Live, see, breathe, enjoy this other place that has come to you on the inside. Christ himself. Everything is taken care of. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see these things. Helping us see the kingdom has truly come. You said when the Son of Man returns to earth, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find someone who believed that the kingdom had come in the Spirit? I know you will. I know you will. Millions. I pray your blessing, Lord, on all of us, and I pray that we would continue to see your work, your glory. Awesome, Lord. Thank you for the kingdom of heaven has come. That announcement on the date of your birth has not changed. We bring you glad tidings of great joy, the angel said. For unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Daddy. Amen.